unburdened. Okay. Guess who's back? Back again. I'm Burton's back. Tell your friends. Oh, please don't. Therapy, 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 <laughs> therapy, therapy, therapy. You'd make a great jingler. I would. You know, I actually thought about uh, going into advertisement, but then after watching Blackish, I was like, nah. <laughs> I truly do nope. feel like it'll be just like that. A whole bunch of white privilege, a whole bunch of privileged white men uh, saying shit to me that they didn't know was racist until they saw the look on my face and they'd be like, oh, check, check that one off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. number nine can't be said here. So I'm good. Oh, my goodness. As always, I forget how we even did the intro for this. Um, this is a safe either. space. Uh, no, we don't do racism, uh, uh, misogyny. We, we unpack all those things. Uh, transphobia, homophobia, the whole nine yards. I got to go back and listen to old episodes. It's been way too long, and I'm here with my homies, uh, Corbin and Gerald. Um, Gerald, you're the one who uh, got the band back together again. So uh, how you doing? I'm broken, man. I'm broken. Two days have broken me. Oh, school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm 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 done. I'm I'm literally I'm ready. I'm ready to go to my grave. Yeah. What what grade that are your bad? kids in? Um, I have uh third grade, fifth grade, seventh grade. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. The only one so, I got who's still in school is an eighth grader. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, got a seventh grader in the house. That's it. The so it's the third grader and the seventh grader is fine because their teachers, the way that they put their um, virtual learning stuff makes sense. And I can find it and I can check it and I can see what's due and where. And when I ask for proof of work, it's easy to get. Mm -hmm. But the fifth graders teacher, she will post assignments first thing in the morning, but then she won't post the videos until in the afternoon. And then she might send an email at like five o'clock in the evening saying, hey, do this work and send it in. And then she'll send an email the next morning to the parents saying, hey, I'm missing this work. And it's like, you just, you assigned it after we was done for the day. I'm not checking this email at five, six, seven o'clock at night to see if you send in more assignments for them to do. So, and then it's just, it's all over the place. And they're trying to use Google Classroom for everything. But then they have work that they have on like several other different like websites that they have accounts on. And some of it, like they send a picture, you got to print it off, do the work, take a picture and upload it. And your kids are in private school? Yeah, man. Yeah. Sounds like something they do in like a Little Rock City school. The kids that are in public school actually have a better system, which if you think about it, when you have an entire district that is having to figure out how to do this for an entire district, 
they are probably going to come up with a better solution the than a bunch of different private schools who all are trying to figure out different ways to do it. And it, so yeah, I'm basically, I'm paying a bunch of money to do three times the work. Yeah. And it's been two days because we just started the, you know, alternating custody schedule. Yeah. And I'm I'm uh, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Not on the whole parenting thing, just school. Like my kids can be those folks who, like um, the dad on good times. You know, sixth grade education. That's all I needed. And you just go straight to work and just work until you die. I will so never tell you how all many. This, all this education is 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 for the birds. I will never tell you how many uh, different jokes I just suppressed about Little Rock and stereotypes that we have of Little Rock out here in California. I don't have those stereotypes because I've been there several hundred times. Um, I've been there. I've been to Little Rock. And I could be there in two and a half hours. I could be there in two and a half hours. I can do that. So I can't say those things about Little Rock. Yeah, because they'll bang on you. All you got is HBO. All you got is games banging in Little Rock there. Man, that's that's all I need to get by. We're more than a... uh, We're more than a. He don't know HBO about the special. pills and Cabot, or uh, <laughs> or the meth and Benton. He don't know nothing about that. I'm just saying, all <laughs> I have for uh, Arkansas is a whole bunch of stereotypes, and for that, I apologize profusely. Because oh, hearing you talk, okay. it's like, oof. We gonna okay. we gonna learn shit though. We gonna learn shit. I had it on. I had y'all on the same educational level as Mississippi. So for that, I apologize twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you apologizing to Mississippi? No, forget y'all. You they can't understand what I'm saying. I'm uh we're I good, speak man. the King's English. They don't we, know what uh, I say in Mississippi. We're in a A plus school district, sir. Dude, y'all grade on a curve then. Nah. <laughs> I mean, we got like six A plus school districts in Mississippi. The rest of them, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. yeah. Yeah, we'll just skip them. But yeah, no, I'm I'm still amused. Shocked, surprised, happy? I don't know that school just started for y'all. Like in California, they've been doing like Devin just got done with finals. No, school didn't just start for us. Oh, I right, right, right. Started. Because of the the yes. Yeah, yes. I just okay. started having to do this during the week. So their grandparents have been, God bless them, handling the heavy work of all of this because you know i'm working and the mom's working and so the retired grandparents have been handling all of this until you know everything finalized and now we have our our joint custody situation so they're going to be with me half the month so i am uh are they this is, oh because it's 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 distance learning they can study no matter where they are so if they're at mom's house they can still get online and go to school yeah, it, it is it is what it is. It would be easier if they were just in the classroom. And uh, it this is just crazy for everybody because the teacher, now you got the teachers are having to do an in-class study plan and teach in class and then somehow figure out something that works for the kids who aren't in class. And it, I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining about, oh, the teachers aren't doing their job. They're doing twice as much work. But in that, we also end up having to do three times as much work. So it's like everybody's just having to work harder. And this could all have been avoided if somebody just hadn't, you know, eaten that back or whatever it was. 
I don't know. Um, yeah, my wife does that. She's a teacher. She has to come up with a lesson plan for online and a lesson plan for class. It's wild. And she teaches special needs, so her lesson plans are very different. I don't have any of these concerns. My son, like I said, is in eighth grade, and he's able to take care of himself. Isn't that wonderful? Somebody asked me once if I was going to have another kid, and I was like, why? I've almost completed this level. Um, Yeah, they don't come out like 12, 13 years old and can just do their own stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just have to go upstairs and check. Yeah, like, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And she's like, yeah, definitely. Like, I've been doing it. And it's like, okay, bro. It's like find my or I check the Life 360 app we have just to make mm-hmm. sure she's in the house, and then I go on about my business. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Y'all are not making this better. This is. This oh, I'm is sorry. It'll better. get you'll oh, get there, bro. We're in different types of hell anyway, so it's all hell, just different levels. Eh, I don't know. I kind of like Devin. I think I'm gonna keep him. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the kids. The kids are fine. I mean, I'm talking about the... Yeah, yeah. But what we're going to do today, Gerald, is we're going to give you like a good 30, a dirty 30 to uh, state what your primary concern is, what your tertiary concern is, and what your other concern is. And then we're going to listen to you, and then we're going to move on to the next person. And it's going to be a whole lot of, hi, Bob. My name is, yeah, that kind of thing. But you know what? I don't I don't think I don't think I need 30 because I don't really have a lot of concerns. I think I just, um, you know, I've been in limbo for a year and now I'm out of limbo. So I just figured we would just get back to the regular scheduled program because life is um, life is good. I I am blessed beyond belief. It's just been uh, it's just been a long time being in limbo that I'm no longer in. And so I can finally get back to a normal schedule of um, just being, catching up with y'all, figuring out what the heck is going, you know, is happening with life. This whole pandemic thing. I don't think we've talked since the world shut down. Like, I don't know. Nope. No, we haven't. We've gone to our different tribes during the zombie apocalypse. And we found our way back to each other. <laughs> Very nice. All right. So always nice find my way back to y'all. Good job. So, yeah. Corbin, go for it. Awesome. 30 minutes can, on the clock. Oh, no. I'm not going to fill up 30, but I can take up 20. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, since the world shut down, let's see. What have I done here? Um, I recently became the general manager of our uh, facility here. Uh, two men in a truck locally, and I um, had to let go of my operations manager last night. You did it! Yeah. Fuck that nigga! That was pretty much what it was. And (laughs) so this is the first I've fired many a person in my life in many a location, different businesses, different positions. Firing does not bother me. I can just compartmentalize how I feel about you and give you fact uh, that you did this, uh, this is the company policy. This is why I have to let you go. Uh, that was my playbook for 15 years. So the franchisee and myself are, have been talking about this forever. But he finally, 
asked me what day we should do this. I told him Friday last week because he really pissed us off. Um, so uh, Friday comes around. It's time to do it. And my franchisee puts his gun in his front pocket. Um, so I'm like, I've never had been part of a firing where you might have to lay somebody down. I hadn't thought of, he's like, well, you know how he reacts to things. I'm like, wait a minute. So you screaming and yelling that you're getting fired is what I'm expecting. You know, he's a, a volatile person that we were letting go. Mm-hmm. And I never thought we'd have to shoot him. Uh, <laughs> he's like, well, you never know. So anyway, we go back there, let him go. It goes okay. Um, he got a very nice severance package, and we're moving on. That's been the work uh, angle, and it has been a little difficult readjusting to now. Right now, I'm doing everything because I'm training people on how I want it done, and so it's it's very tiring. Um, and answering everybody, not learning on same levels like Gerald's going through. Um, you know, I'm I'm going from training somebody how to use a calendar and an email system on one hand to someone how you know different various levels of training with six different people but we're doing well we're doing way better morale's higher um my guys actually care that we care so that's good personally um i was in little rock a couple weeks ago for about 12 minutes uh on my way to hot springs to pick up carson who was uh in her dad's wedding and promptly thereafter he decided all right i'm done (laughs) done playing you can come get her or you know he was trying to get rid of her pretty much and so she didn't want to be there i got tired of the who what when where why and i just went and got her so yeah i was in your town for about 12 minutes twice uh on the way to hot springs and back knowing now that I'm 40, drives like that I can't really do because I just recovered, and that was three weeks ago. Um, literally, I'm I was just exhausted every day for like a week and a half, two weeks after that. So I can't make six hour trips no more, <laughs> and I'm gonna try not to. Um, personal life going good, kids are good, uh, parents are good, everybody's okay. Um, the state is on fire uh, that I live in the state that I work in is on fire it's just <sighs> we don't care y'all We it's like we beat COVID four or five months ago and nobody cares man nobody cares it's over with here Um, so much so that uh, I don't know I just feel I'm a little anxious about what's going on politically with the election because I don't trust that people will do the right thing. Um, And I know that I can make it another four years in this. However, I don't know what that first six months or so is going to look like. As far as my job goes, things like that, it'll be fine. But my mental state... um, how that's gonna go if this goes the wrong way um i don't think it'll be i'm not trying to say you know the the dark clouds will lift if it goes the right way but it just 
you know, just be like a one less thing to worry about for a little bit till they shoot somebody else in the street. Um, and so I, I just, I don't know, man. I haven't watched any news in the past two weeks. Um, the only, I guess, news updates that I do get are like, uh, Fake. I get to see. Well, not all of them. Okay. No, no, no. I do get some of the conspiracy stuff, but not that kind of conspiracy stuff. Like, there's a Bigfoot in North Mississippi. I get that kind of I was only there for a few hours, bro. Come on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I get that kind of stuff. I don't get the other crap. But um, just headlines from CNN, and I rarely click the stories. Um, but, yeah, I'm just – it's it's a discouraging time. And I feel like we all – are under some level of deep stress that adds to like our normal stress wouldn't be so bad if we didn't have this thing hanging over our head. Exactly. And, and I like every day I'm like, Oh my God, it's like, okay, I get up. I'm trying not to do the same thing. And then I have to go be upbeat for 40 people. Cause I had, I mean, we got rid of this guy on Friday and he started spilling the beans to everybody else, you know, telling his story. So oh, yeah. we let him go because he wasn't performing, but he told him it was his health and he just had to quit. He was sick of it and blah, 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 blah. So he, he told four or five guys, we, we, we were not going to say anything other than he left for uh, uh, other opportunities. We wish him the best. That was our line. So he did his job for us pretty much. Like I'm I'm you know, I left for my health. I don't wanna do X, Y, and Z. And so I just had to give it up or they begged me to stay and I said no. And then anyway, so ten guys called between Friday evening and Monday morning wanting to come back and work there because they didn't want to work for him. Um we've hired five. We've hired nine people. We're we're doing better as a company, but it's hard for me just as a black man in America to get up every day. I leave when it's dark now. And so I get to work. I'm the first one there working a bad neighborhood. Anyway, uh, the most of the people that I have to hire don't have quote unquote good backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And not that they're like, it's a criminal background or anything, but saying yes sir no sir um to people you know just looking you in the eye when they talk they don't do that so i'm trying to get them to buy into what i want to do as well as teach them life things as well as train them to do a job and so it's just a lot and i know they're going through a lot um and they all seem to think I can do it. So I, I guess I can. Um, but it's it's just, I, I just, it's just frustrating, man. You wake up frustrated, you go to sleep exhausted, and you just do it every other day. Uh, I'm just glad that my family's healthy right now. My wife's had two surgeries since COVID. Uh my parents are good. My my kids are good. I'm just glad everybody's okay because I don't know what I'd do if, you know, we had some kind of something happening where somebody had an extended stay in the hospital and I couldn't see them or mm -hmm. had to have a, a surgery or something. I, I just couldn't be there. 
it, it's just I don't know, man. That's about all I got. I just I feel like I am riding a roller coaster <laughs> towards the 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 Grand Canyon, and I can't can't like speed. Never mind. It's like speed. We're on a bus on the way to a bridge that's not fully completed yet. There you go. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know it, and I see it, but all you can do is scream and hold on. So. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to do. We're going to ride this out. I don't have it as bad as my granddaddy did. I keep telling myself that. Wait. Or my great-granddaddy. Oh, Or my great-great-granddaddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you're at, definitely. Probably your granddaddy. You right. You right, bro. Well, I don't have it as bad as my dad. Yeah, your dad probably, too. Being where y'all are, California narcissism, being where y'all are, you was probably a slave yesterday. Yeah, so, yeah, (laughs) you right. So... If I get out to California, I'm going to cross the state line and y'all been free forever, huh? Y'all the Wakanda of America, huh? Mm, hidden <laughs> from all y'all. <laughs> yeah. Little do you know, y'all come from here too. Man, y'all little just do left. I know so did the white folks from out here, man. Just, <laughs> ugh. And the internet is bringing us closer and closer together. So um, where do I begin? Uh, my wife's in nursing school. Yeah, that's a good thing. Hashtag yeah. winning. Yeah, she quit her state job and started nursing school full time, which is dope. Bet it cost something. Huh? To this month was the first month where we didn't have a supplementary paycheck, so now it's just my paycheck. Oh wow! And California is expensive. As it is, it was expensive when we had two paychecks, but now that it's one paycheck, it's it's even most expensive. It's most expensive. <laughs> so, um, I had I had uh, set up the payment for this uh, Megacade huge arcade cabinet that I uh, was buying, and I know I showed y'all video and pictures and all that kind of stuff because I was happy. Um, I returned that. I got a refund, uh, so then I'm able to take care of business. You know, I'm not gonna be that dude. I will never be that dude who stands in front of my wife's dreams, and I'll never be that dude who's like, I know you want these dreams, but they're not sustainable right now because we can't afford it. So we can afford it, no matter what. We can afford it. I'll figure it out, and that's my refrain right now: is we'll figure it out. Um. I'm going to end up getting a second job somewhere uh, to try and scrape up just even if it's $400 a month, that's still $400. We just need money for the bills. Um, Waking up at 2 a.m. I've woken up at 2 a.m. every day for the past three weeks. Um, I don't know why. Um, The day that I didn't wake up at 2 a.m. I actually stayed up all night long and couldn't sleep at all. So uh, restless nights is an understatement. Uh, Let's see, what else? Started consistently good. Um, It's going. Um, 
I don't know. I keep running into people who come into my posts and I don't know if they, I don't know if they think that they're interacting or what, but they will come into a post about uh, smoked chicken wings and they'll talk about, you know what? I want some fried chicken from such and such place. And it's like, do you not realize why that's not, why that comment is not staying on this post? Like I put out my Thanksgiving that menu. seriously happens? Yeah, it's happened three times now. Um, I put out my Thanksgiving menu and somebody was like, I said that I'm making smoked turkey. And they were like, you know what? I really want, I want a fried turkey. Well, I'm talking about smoked turkey. Why are you on my post putting the idea of fried turkey in somebody's head? Um, somebody else, when I put out something, they were like, yeah, I love to order from you, but my husband's the barbecue king of this family. So we don't order other people's barbecue. Um, somebody was, else was like, I, I don't eat pork. And I was like, well, we have beef. And they never responded after I said, we have beef. And it's just, why actually, at all? I don't know. And it actually drove me a bit like it, it I, I broke I did um, because it feels like these people might feel like they're being friends but really they're being adversaries with these posts so these are folks you know these are people I know wow man and so, is it that they just don't like get it they or- get it I think they get it I just don't think they care I think that they think it's a place for a conversation. You know, it's a post that I put up. I'm going to make a comment. We're going to have a conversation about fried turkey now on this post about smoked turkey. So you you making a pulled pork sandwich, whatever, and I go PB&J is the best. I need to get me one of them? Exactly. That is like most insensitive thing. That's worse than just not saying, well, actually, yeah, that's just bad. Yeah, because it isn't like they shared the post. They're in my original post talking about this is what they want to eat. And I'm like, we don't do that. I don't fry turkeys. I'm scared to fry a turkey. I've seen too many houses go up in flames off of fried turkey. Um, but then there's other folks just in the family. And I I oh I cried for hours about that. Um, just about support. Like, that's my thing. And it's always been, I realized that I realized a uh, earlier this year that while it may not, I don't know if it's a real thing, I got to talk with my therapist about it, but that my love language is uh, reciprocity. Um, it's equal sense. support. It's, 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 you know, if you love me, you're going to support me. I'm not talking about just monetarily, you know, just be there. I think as a man, we never think of it as monetarily. It's so just I, support. Just I use act like you support right now, though. I understand, but it's like, but when you mean you want someone to support you, it's yeah. just care about what I care about for yeah. a little bit, or even as small as just just tell me I'm a good person. I'm not asking for a lot. I'm just really I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm stressed. My wife is stressed. Like the world is on her because she feels like she has to be successful because she stepped away from a state job and her parents, not her dad, but her mom might be giving her grief about it. And like, 
she feels like she has to hold up her dreams or if she fails, we, she failed the entire United States of America. And so she's pushing, she's doing great. She's bringing home A's like A's and B's, but you can see the stress on her. And it's like, she doesn't feel like she can make a mistake period. She no just, bad test. She no started bad. in August uh, and she's walking a tightrope with no safety net. And so I'm the safety net. Um, but I'm like, don't fall. You know, safety yeah. net ain't that big. Don't fall. Uh, but we're still pushing. But it's just like, I know somebody who posted up something on Facebook where they said, um, every so often a friend would text them and just say compliment, please. And all they wanted was for somebody to say, you're a good person or you did this or or you got this or something like that for the day. And I know a lot of people who would do that, but then I know a lot of other people who are like, I, I shouldn't have to do that for you. But my love language is begging for that. Even if yours isn't, even if you're a, a self-sustained person who doesn't have to have support like Gerald, even if you're self-sustained and, and you're good and you can find your way and all that kind of stuff, not everybody's like that. I'm not like that. And to know that I'm not like that, but to know that there's other people who are so far in the opposite direction of being like that, that they will literally think worse of me because I asked for support. It's heartbreaking because I can't find love outside of my relationship with my wife and my family who know me and know my style. I can't find platonic love because as soon as I'm like, here's what my love language is, it's reciprocity. They're like, oh, you just wanted to be my friend so you could take advantage of me. No, I, I show support because that's how I was made to believe that I could have use. But because that's how I was made to believe that that's how I could show usefulness, it's how I see usefulness in others sometimes. Yeah, I, I get that. And so that love language may be the most, the one that even though it's not, it may be the one that sounds the most selfish. Like there are people who enjoy getting gifts as their love language. There are people who like being touched or, 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 or talked to or whatever it may be. I don't need any of that. You don't have to give me any money at all. You don't. And this is going to sound so stupid and listeners, please don't laugh at me. You don't have to give me money or nothing at all. If whenever I make a post, you're the first one giving me a thumbs up and Gerald, when you had uh, buy black, the buy black podcast, Yes, sir. I had it set up where there was a star next to your name. So any post that came through from Buy Black would show up at the top of my screen. I would get a notification on Facebook and I would immediately share it. Same for you, Corbin. When you were doing your blog and the Bougie Beer Brother stuff, it would pop up at the top of my screen and I'd immediately share it. But when I told other people, this is how I do it, they're like, what do you want from me? I, I don't want anything from you. I just want to know that you're walking with me. Well, you want value. I mean, you yeah. want to feel like you're worth something to other people. Yeah. 
It's not like they're just tolerating you for some stupid reason. I, I get that. Yeah. And and it does feel like sometimes you're I'm just being tolerated or that we're just tolerating each other. Like it feels like sometimes it feels like a conversation is a game of monkey in the middle. And the person you're talking to is supposed to be uh, the one catching the ball and there's somebody else in the middle. It's supposed, to, it's supposed to be you and another person on the outside and a third person in the middle. But it turns out the person on the outside is a double agent. They're really on the inside. So when they catch the ball, they run off with it. So they're intercepting the conversation and running it off somewhere else. And so you never really get to talk. You never really get to build up to that place where they support or you support somebody for so long, they start to expect it. And then when you ask for anything back, it's like, how dare you? That's a message right there. And so you get to the place where you're like, I got to, a lot of people are like, receipts are bad. The idea of keeping receipts are bad. I keep receipts. I'm not even going to lie to you. I keep receipts. And the reason why I keep receipts is because if I don't, I will forget the good things that I did for somebody to show my support. I have to keep receipts in order to be able to say, well, this month, I don't know if y'all have been on Facebook recently. I don't know if you, I know you've been on Facebook within the past year or the past two years. There was a time where I would tell folks, okay, every Wednesday, I'm going to just check in on you and see how you're doing. And it was nothing more. Huh? I remember that. And it was nothing more than Corbin. That was the whole post. And then you say, yeah. And I'd be like, how are you today? And we talk. Or you call me when I'm driving into work telling you I don't want to go in here. Yeah. And <laughs> I got to keep those things in mind because what happened is um, when I stopped asking, nobody asked me. And so the relationship will start to fall apart. And I'd be like, okay, I got to work harder to keep this relationship going. I got to, I got to, if I could just put my finger right here, the water will stop leaking out of this dam. But on the other side, they're, they're not plugging up these holes. They're actually just letting it fissure because they know that I'm going to do the work to keep this dam structure plugged up. So I stopped asking. I stopped asking people, how are they doing? Even though it took a piece of my soul to not do it, I stopped checking in on people. And you know what happened when I stopped checking in on people, when I stopped doing those Facebook things and I stopped putting people at the top of the page and I stopped doing all that stuff, I started consistently good and none of them. Nobody asked me how I was doing anymore. Nobody ever hit me up personally and said, Derek, how are you doing? Nobody ever you know, called anymore to just check in. The last time that we all spoke where it was just like, all right, I'm calling you just to check in. I was at my old office. That was back in last year. If I'm not the one calling, we don't call. If I'm not the one who's making this thing and it's like, I'm giving so much of myself. All I want is that support back. But people are like, I'm so used to being supported that to support somebody else while I'm being supported just doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like you get to the point where it's like, how can I support you when you're supporting me? How can we support each other? But like Forrest Gump said to Bubba, we, you lean up against me and I lean up against you. And that way we don't have to put our, heads, with our in heads in the mud. We gonna, that we gonna... sounds like something. I want to hear it. Hold on. Can we just pause real quick? Yep. Can you say that line? Because I need a person from Mississippi to say I, that line. 
You act like I'm from Mississippi, like I am born and bred here. I'm more from Arkansas than I am. No, I'm not saying that line. I will not play your game. We are here to unburden ourselves, not to not to pull out Southern drawl. Oh, but it sounded so good. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Derek. But it's real talk. Like they everybody feels like they can't lean on on you because if I'm leaning on you, then are they if I'm leaning on you, then there's no way you can lean on me. But seriously, there should be a way. Um, yeah, structurally it should work just fine. Actually, then, you're more sound that way. Yeah, if you just lean on each other. But but I think a lot of people are afraid that, you know, well, first of all, a lot of people think that they they sell themselves short. They use a lot of words to cover up not wanting to exert the energy that's i mean no matter what it was if if i'm like uh first excuse i'm busy i don't have time it's not that it's, you make time for what you want but it's it's i've i've found in my life i and i've stopped using the i don't have time or i'm busy i quit saying that I, I try to find, and, and sometimes it takes longer for me to get back to people now, but I try to find 10, 15 minutes. I used to think it was the dumbest thing in the world to put a calendar, like a, on my Google calendar, I would have called Derek Wednesday, uh, 12, 15. I would have it there. And, and I thought, this is so stupid. I should just remember to do this. You know, um, it, it shouldn't be that, that but. I wanted to do that. So I scheduled it for myself. That was for my own mental because I would personally sit places and be like, I want to do this. And four hours later, I hadn't touched it or mm -hmm. I, I, the window that I could talk to somebody I need, I wanted to talk to or hadn't heard from, or you have that thought to where, you know what? I hadn't heard from uh, this person in a long time. I'm going to call them in 15 minutes on my lunch. Next thing I know, I'm going home. You know, it's, it's, I, I personally feel like I have to schedule things just so I, I have a reminder in place to do them. And I've started learning how to do that. Now, do I do it as much as I used to? No, I should. But when I, I try to share things with people that, have helped me along the way a lot of my kids it kills me all the time when they tell me how busy they are but they're like in seventh grade and sixth grade and high school and they know you don't know what busy is you have no idea what busy is everything's that that you, of your concern is paid for by somebody else um so you know, make a little time for me. I've, I've, I've been afraid to ask my daughter. She's 20, but I did this last week. I just asked her to make like 20, 30 minutes a week that we can just sit down and talk for real. And we talk, but like she's 20, she's in college. I don't know. I would like to say I know my children and I feel like I know their core, but I don't know like what her favorite TV show is now. What What's her favorite color this year? Uh, I mean, I know when she was a kid, I know two, three years ago, you know, things like that. Get to know her 
again before she enters like the workforce for real and and gets married or starts a family or not or moves away to New York or hell heaven forbid even Chicago or California somewhere um I want to get to know her again just like for real in the way that my parents don't really know me mm-hmm. like I just want her to be her I don't want her to be the her that she thinks I want her to be in front of me. Cause I know that's not like if she smokes cigarettes, I'd be like, why do you smoke? But she doesn't. But if she did, I want, that's something I, I want to know. And I wouldn't beat her over the head with it all day, every day. But you know, I feel like don't hide that from me. Just be you. And I, I will love you for who you are, not who you present in front of me. And I want to do that with more people because I was 34, 33 when I stopped pretending to be somebody for other people, just people in general, period, everybody. And it was it was a mess for about a year. But after that, it, it worked out. My daughter, Gogo. Who's gorgeous, by the way. Yeah, she is. She's tough. Um, turned 18 late August and I haven't seen or spoke to her since she went back to her mom's house Uh, her mom has a car that she's able to drive (laughs) ipso facto for a uh, 18 year old that's all you need to get by uh, her boyfriend lives on the north side of town. I live in the far south side. Uh, her car is on the north side of town. I live in the far south side. I called her. I didn't get a return on the call, and that hurt. But I have to keep in mind that uh, when I was 18 and in college, we didn't have cell phones. So I shudder to think of how often I called my mom when I was 18 and out on my own for the first time or in a place where I was able to live my own life for the first time. I don't think I called much at all. Um, But I just miss my daughter. I miss her a lot. Um, And so I think about calling her and saying, saying something akin to that, Corbin. But I honestly, two things. One, I'm terrified that she's going to say nah. She wouldn't. But I'm also scared that she's going to resent me for taking her time to do so. Um, Or that she's going to resent me for guilting her into having a conversation with me. I never want to be that parent who's like, you never call. You never do this. You never come over anymore. I don't even know what you look like. Is that your boyfriend? I haven't seen you in so long. I don't, I don't want to do that. Like I have taught my children from a very young age how to walk. So now that she's a legal adult, she ain't in my mind, but she's a legal adult. Now is not the time for me to say slow down and walk next to me for a little while because I'm feeling a little bit lonely. Even though I am, I miss her. She's one of my she's one of my kids. But I mean, she's she's figuring out things in her own time, and 
I talked with uh, Devin, and he was like, I haven't talked to Isabella in a month. So I'm just – part of me wants to step in and be like, hey, how you doing? How's everything going? Blah, blah, blah. But I know that's going to be a real quick conversation before she gets right back out in the wind. Um, the other part of me wants to just wait until she needs me. Like I said, I, I, I don't want to be a bother to her. I don't want to be putting pressure on her. Like no matter what she's doing right now, she's still an 18 year old young black adult with a white mom in a side of town where she doesn't always feel the most comfortable. I'm not going to burn a bridge because I want her to talk to me for five minutes. But also, I'm not going to burn a bridge because I want her to talk to me for five minutes. I think that she'd be happy to talk. I just, my mind keeps telling me, let her go. And it's, What if she feels the same way you do? Like, everything you just expressed, y'all are both waiting on the other to, to just try. Uh, maybe she feels bad it's been three weeks and she hadn't talked to you or a month and she's like oh my god now I can't call cause... yeah it's like talking to Jesus <laughs> yeah like how do I explain I haven't talked to you in a month uh, mm. I just forgot I can't say that you're not going to accept that so do I make and if I don't mention it at all then it's you know I mean she could be going through the exact same thing you are yeah for sure but isn't it um like with this particular dynamic, isn't it just kind of expected that between the ages of 18 and 25, your job as a parent is to just jump in with that reminder of I want to talk to you every once in a while. Like you know she's gotta be off doing her thing, but she's still developing her communication style. As an adult, in fact, she's just now learning to develop her communication style as an adult. So I don't think it would be out of bounds to continue teaching her how to walk in a quick reminder of you need to check in. And it might not even be uh, you need to check in with me. It's just have you talked to X lately? Have you talked to Y lately? I know you're busy, but make sure you check in. I do that with my son and I don't talk to him very often at all because he's off doing his thing I'm, I'm trying to get him to go ahead and spread those wings and do his thing but when I talk to him I'm happy to talk to him but one of the things I always ask him is when's the last time you went over to see your granny when's the last time you talked to x when's the last time you talked to y because they even at 18 19 they they need to get in the habit of checking in otherwise they're going to be like me I don't check in mm-hmm. like I literally checked in with my best friend yesterday because I saw on Facebook that he had gallbladder surgery. Before that, I hadn't talked to him in months. So I found out that literally my former roommate, person I've been closest to since we were met in college and been best friends ever since then, I found out that he had gallbladder surgery on Facebook several days after it had happened because I'm not, I'm not the phone check-in dude. I've never been that way. My great-grandmother is still alive. I don't check in. My granny is here. I literally never checked in on the phone, but I'm the pop-up dude. Derek, you know that. 
Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not, I'm not about the phone, but if I'm nearby, you're going to see me and you're going to see me often. I, I've, I've seen and talked to my granny a lot more since I moved home than I ever talked to her in the 10 years I was gone because I'm quick to be like, oh, I'm on this side of town. I'm popping up at the house, but I won't call. And I've never been expected to call because from the time I left home at 18, I mean, my, I was the only child and my parents got divorced right at 18. When, when I got out of the house and went to boot camp, they split. So having been an only child my whole life anyway, it wasn't like it was anybody I needed to check in with except my parents. And they were all, you know, going through their whole things. So I was just living my life. I got into a habit of there's nobody I need to check in with. Now here I am almost 40. I don't, I don't pick up the phone and call. Even my mama, I will pop up at the house, but I don't pick up the phone and call. And I believe a big part of that is because when I first became an adult and moved out on my own, it didn't become a habit of mine because nobody called me and expected me to, and it's just not in my nature. So I don't think it's out of bounds for you to try to help teach her that habit. It's beneficial for you, it's beneficial for her. And it also is something that I mean, we've been talking about it. This whole thing is you got some people in your life who really just need that check in and it ain't nothing wrong with having that skill in your belt of thinking periodically. I need to check in. And also some just might be wrong. I remember when I was 18, the times my first 25 years of my life, my mother was my best friend. The last 15 has been my dad. Really? I talk to my dad way more than I do my mom now, but when I was 18, 19 years old, I would avoid people when I was doing stuff I shouldn't. And it was just, it wasn't like, or let's say I was short on money or I was trying to get my own apartment. I was in the dorm the first semester, second semester, I tried to get my own apartment, which I did. So I'm working a job and I'm barely making it. And I didn't want to reach out to them because they could hear it in my voice. My folks, I hate them for it, but when there's something wrong with me, they could always tell it in my voice. And I don't know how they do that, but I do it with my kids. So if I don't hear from my daughter and she's 20, so I don't hear from her in a week, I call. I call four or five times in a row. I turn her phone off, and then the only number that she can dial is mine. So <laughs> I, I, I will go crazy until I hear from her. Cause I have to hear her voice. Once I hear her voice and it sounds normal, we good. But you know, I said, sometimes, you know, daddy be tripping. I just, I hit the wrong button. I was meant to turn Carson's phone off. I didn't mean to turn yours off, you know, but uh, yeah, it's good to hear from you. How you doing? How are things going? School. Okay. Let me see your report card. You know, I might put, I got some change in my pocket. I might send it your way, stuff like that. And then that, that helped me because I know how I was and, my oldest child is exactly like me and so i don't want it to get to a point to where because i know she's trying to do it on her own she's trying to do everything by herself she doesn't want any help don't want anybody to do anything i just want to make sure that she knows all my children have to know that they are not by themselves if i can't so help you financially 
I can I can point you in the right direction. I can give you some advice. I might be able to tell you how to get through something. I just don't, you know, it, it's just a lot of different things that I felt like when I was out there like that, because I was so headstrong. I wasn't looking for nobody's help. I was just going to work three, four jobs, go to school, do all this stuff just to just to make it when I just had to make a phone call. And be like, hey, dad, you know, could I could I have a hundred dollars this month or and then, I'll, you know, I'll pay it back. My folks, they never accepted money from me at all. And they and they would be there for me. I just had it in my mind that I would not allow that. I don't want them to think of me as less than because I need help, whether it's emotionally somebody just to talk to somebody say to be OK. You don't know how many times. I could just go, you know, A, B, and C is going on. And I don't know how we're going to do this. I, I would love to say that. I'll never tell my wife that. My whole phrase is I'll figure it out. And then I'll go in the bathroom and look at myself and be like, I don't know how the hell we're going to do this. Every now and then I will wake up at 2, 3 in the morning and I will go in the living room. This happened Sunday, Monday morning. Woke up at 1 a.m. I knew I was up. I knew I wasn't going back to sleep. I was worried about work in that situation, but there's been seven to 10 family deals in the last year and a half that I've been worried about, but you know, I'm not going to, I don't feel like I can tell my wife on a regular basis that I'm terrified or I can't say the phrase. I don't know. You know, I always will say we'll figure it out or we'll get it done and and that's just a problem with me internally she can help me and i've got to allow her to help me get through some things but i always feel like i don't want to burden you with my issues and the reason being was because what if you don't help me then we got a big problem you know especially if you're my spouse and i'm like hey I got this knife in my shoulder, you know, could you help me pull it out? And you're like, nah, I can push it in a little deeper. I mean, that, that has always been my biggest fear asking for help in any, in anything, whether it be emotionally, financially, any kind of way, because it's not, it's not that I need help. And I've learned, what if you say no, that's, that's the worst thing you can say. Because then I don't feel like we could have a relationship, honestly. I feel like I put myself out there in the most vulnerable position that I can be as a person. And, like, you wouldn't even point me in the right direction. You know, that's that to me is, like, that's the worst feeling. And I've had it happen two or three times. So I know a lot about what you're talking about. And I feel like I'm, like, the perfect cross between you and Gerald Derrick because I can go four or five months and not call anybody. But then that next six months, I'm going to call you every three, four days. I I, I feel like, and, and that's just to hear your voice, to see how you're doing, to, to offer some kind of support. But then I can disappear again. And I don't, I try not to do that anymore. I try to watch myself because normally when I disappear, I'm going through something. So it's like I go to my fortress of solitude, which is I don't talk to nobody. I just go to work, come home. 
go to work, come home. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna accept calls. I'm not going to really talk to anyone. And I've got to break out of that. I'm 40 years old. I should be able to to be consistent in myself. And so that's uh, that's part of what I'm working on. So as I as I was listening to y'all, one when I was listening to you earlier, Corbin, when you first kind of went through everything, uh, immediately once you started talking, I realized in my head, oh, Gerald, you're doing that thing again where you don't tell anybody anything and you go into your fortress of solitude and you just tell the world that everything's just fine. And, and Yeah, we do that. We know you, you do it every episode. We know. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, there's plenty I could have said. And all I said was, oh, life is good. My grandfather died about a month ago. My grandmother died back in October. I just got divorced. I was out of work for like two months. There's a lot. And my response was, life's good. I just I just noticed that. No, I knew that when you said it, because you do it every time we do a show. <laughs> You're that dog sitting in the fire like, this is fine. This is yeah. fine. This is, this is, I'm okay with this situation. But yeah, man, I, I don't know why I do that. I really don't. Because the alternative is not very comfortable for you. You're a logical man. We can't fix your problems. Therefore, why? why <laughs> you know what? I didn't even think about that, but that's, that's probably it. Because my brain just says, well, there's nothing they can do about it. So, <sighs> yeah. But talking about it will help you feel a little better. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just I no you're not I'm, interrupting. You're not interrupting, man. We want to hear from you. So let me back up to the beginning of this thing since you know y'all just kind of broke it all down. This is everything that's going on. So man, I don't know where to start. Um was it around well, I had told y'all before about the issue I was dealing with at my old job with the the woman who was coming after me trying to get me fired and then everybody else not having my back. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that all, um, that all continued basically until, um, last, last year it was, I think it was like last, like when I say last year, not this past March, but like the March before that was when all those floods happened or whatever. And, um, like the day that all that, all this rain and all this flooding started in the Midwest was the same day that we found out that another company had won our contract and that basically <clears throat> either you were going to move to that company and continue working or you were going to figure something else out. Um, and so from there until like December, I was basically in this, in this tug of war between do I stay with this company and try to find something or do I, do I do something else and go home? Um, and in the midst of all of that, I decided I wanted a divorce. Um, so that was in June of 2019. So decided I want a divorce, decided regardless of what happens with this company, I'm, I'm moving back home to Arkansas. It's time to be back at home. Um, my mom had had a stroke a few years ago. She's on blood pressure medication. She was nearing retirement age. My, my grandparents were aging and getting older. 
Um, and I just, I, I've always been really close to my family. And for the last decade, I've not been close to them at all because when I'm not physically nearby, I don't call. So um, I was just really itching to get back home. So, you know, basically within a matter of uh, a week or two, I uh, decided unequivocally moving back to Little Rock and I want a divorce. And within a month, we separated. She and the kids moved back to Little Rock. I was still in Nebraska because I um, still had a job that was paying for the mortgage up there and also paying support for the kids while they were separated and down here. Um, and because I'm <clears throat> incapable of not being able to see my kids uh, from, from July until November of last year, every week, every Friday, I drove, you were talking about, this is what made me think about it, Corbin, of damn, I, I really did, there's a lot. Um, every Friday from July to November of 2019, I would get on the road from Omaha, Nebraska and drive to Little Rock. That's a long haul there, brother. That's, nine, that's a nine hour drive. Um, every, every weekend, uh, I would come home Friday night, um, get up Saturday morning, go pick up my kids, keep them Saturday and part of Sunday, and then take them back and then get on the road and drive back so I could be at work on Monday. And I did not miss a weekend. There was not a weekend that I spent in Omaha between July and November because there was nothing there for me. My kids were here. My family's here. My future life is here. And the only thing that was there in Omaha was a job that was paying the bills and a house that I was trying to sell. So that happened. Um, house was on the market way longer than it should have been. It sold for a decent price. Um, and uh that was all over with in at the end of November. And so I moved here full time, moved back to Little Rock full time at the end of November. And the contract that I had been on for the last decade, the final day for it to switch over to this new company was November 18th, uh, which means that if I didn't have another job within the company by November 18th, I would go into what's called being on the beach, um, which means I, I don't have a project to build to. So the company will give me 30 days from that to find a project to build to. Otherwise, I got to go. Um, but the only work I was going to get was going to be something that I could do here in Little Rock. And the company's not in Little Rock at all or in Arkansas at all. So there was no work there. So basically, from November 18th to December 18th, I was employed, but I was on the beach, quote unquote. And then December 18th was my final day working with that company that I've been with for 10 years. Um, and then from there, I was trying to find a job. And in the middle of all that, I was trying to find a house to buy because if I don't have a house where my children can live, then I can't have joint custody of them. And I cannot see myself not having my kids with me. So I found a house that I was trying to buy. There was a bunch of stuff that kept putting it off and I was trying to get it bought while I still had a job. Um, but that didn't happen. And then I lost my job and then I had to stall. Uh, so from December to March, um, I rented the house that I bought um, because I could not close on it because I did not have a source of income. 
and I couldn't really let the sellers know that. I know, baby, I can't, I'll get to it. Um, but <clears throat> so many things happen. Uh, I don't, God, I don't want to go. There's so much, man. Um, I was not going to get that house. I was not going to get this house. I was going to have to pull out of the deal for a financial thing that came up. And I went to church and literally when I was at church, the pastor called out this family that was getting ready to move to Seattle and this new job and this new place they're going and all this kind of stuff. And he said, there's names. And I was like, I know those names. And I went in my phone and I looked at the paperwork and I was like, these are the people I'm trying to buy this house from. And so after church, I walked up to the guy and, you know, our real estate agents are going back and forth about all this stuff, trying to get it done and, and how it can't or whatever. And so I walk up to him, I introduce myself. I tell him the issues that I'm having, what's going on with, I, I won't be able to, I had the deck had stairs had to be rebuilt because the appraiser said that they just weren't safe or whatever. So I didn't have the money for that. He didn't have the money for that. So the deal was going to be off and they were going to be in a bad spot too. Anyway, long and short, the church, literally bought the materials and had people who went to the church volunteer to rebuild the steps to the deck so that I could buy this house. So a chance meeting at church led to the house being put in a position where I could buy it, but I still didn't have a job, so I couldn't buy it. Um, and so from December to February, I literally ate up all of the money that I had gained on selling the house in Nebraska because I had no income and I was getting not even getting interviews uh, for jobs I was applying for job after job after job after job after job wouldn't even get interviews no interviews fully qualified no interviews first time in my life I have not been able shit there's a lot that's been fucking with me <laughs> Let it out, bro. Yeah, take your time. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so backing up, <clears throat> because I couldn't buy the house and because they needed this house sold or at least somebody paying the mortgage, we came up with an agreement where I would rent the house from them for three months from December until March, which would give us time to have somehow get these <clears throat> deck stairs rebuilt. So the appraiser could come back out, give it the thumbs up so that I could actually buy the house. Meanwhile, nobody knows I don't have a job. And I, if that gets fixed, I can't still can't buy the house and they'd likely be able to sue me and I would be in a really shitty situation, but you know, not telling anybody this. Um, <clears throat> I'm just, everything always works out. So I just keep on going as if it's going to work out. <clears throat> and uh, trying to find a job. Nothing happens. Uh, eventually, a friend of mine connected me with somebody who basically went through my resume and told me, yeah, this is four pages long and I can't read it because nobody knows what you do. And the people who are going to be looking to hire you don't care to try to figure it out. So you need to simplify this. 
and long and short, she gave me a copy of her resume, which was like one page long, and she had a really great job. And so I just copied her resume <clears throat> to mine, format-wise, and changed everything so that it was really simple. And at like a third grade level, you can understand what it is that I did. And I did that, and then I replaced all my resumes with that resume. And within like three days, I had an interview <clears throat> with a company that I would really like to work with. So I uh, got the interview and then I uh, did the interview and then I got offered the job and um, took it uh, without negotiating any because I needed, you know, the job. Um, and I got hired on February 17th. February 18th was my first day working for this company. Um, <clears throat> now that I had an income, yes, ma'am, what'd you say? Yes, you can. You can have a drumstick now. So, yeah, so I start working February 18th. And now that I have an income and I, I can show that, you know, I will be able to pay for this house, then the process starts again. So then we try to go through and wrap up everything with the appraiser coming back out and the approval, final approval for the loan, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I was able to close on my house on March 13th. So I got a job February 17th, closed on my house March 13th. The world shut down March 14th. If I didn't get that job, I'm still sitting here on my mama's couch right now without my kids, without anything or any hope of being able to sustain my life myself for the first time since I was 17 years old. And all of this stuff like came together because of chance being at this location at this time or having a friend who cared enough to be like, quit sabotaging yourself by trying to figure it all out without asking for any help. I'm going to help you whether you want help or not go see this person when saw that person i was a complete asshole because i didn't want the help and i wanted them to not want to help me and she just she saw straight do that and was like well, whether you want the help or not i'm going to help you um and helped and i needed it and um so then i get this job and i get this house and i go for my first day at work and i find that the job is at the military unit that I used to be in before I moved from Arkansas. It's a different unit doing different stuff now, but it's in the same building that I used to work in over a decade ago. I'm like, oh, I wonder if anybody's going to be there that I know. And I walk in the first day and one of my best friends who I went to Afghanistan with in 2010 works for this company on my team with me. Half of the people that work on this team I've worked with before. Half the military people that we work for, I've worked with over a decade ago. Literally the first time in my life I've worked and in, walked into a new job and it's like cheers. Norm. <laughs> I mean, it was it was amazing. Um I, I I walked in and immediately it's like not having that feeling of, okay, I gotta go in here and immediately prove to everybody that I deserve to be here. It was like, oh, 
yeah, we know this guy. He's good people. We're glad he's here. And I was so hurt and upset that I was getting passed over for even interviews on all these other jobs. It wasn't meant for me. I was supposed to go to this job and I was supposed to get that job at the last second. And I was supposed to close on my house on the last day before everything shut down. It's like, this was the first time I literally went through a period where I did not know if I was going to be able to adult. And I felt like it was out of my hands. There was nothing I could do except just pray and hope. And it was scary as hell. Did I call anybody? Nope. I don't think I've told you guys this at all. No clue. Not at all. So that worked itself out. It didn't. I mean, it was it was clearly God intervened a lot of times on that road at exactly the right time in exactly the right way. And nothing ever happened until I just got up off my butt and said, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go out somewhere and just start doing something. Like even just, I'm just going to get up and go to the coffee shop and just get coffee outside the house. I did that. And I ran into a dude. We ended up talking for six hours. He needed some kind of support. I needed some kind of support in that moment. We ended up talking. Stay connected. It was just, I don't know. But um, so all of that went down while we're still separated and trying to do all this divorce paperwork and figuring it out with the kids. And I was getting the kids every weekend, but not actually having them during the week and trying to figure all that stuff out. But all that divorce paperwork stuff took another several months and then dealing with the courts and all that. So that all just finalized week and a half ago. Um, And so now, you know, we've started our custody arrangement where I got the kids for two weeks and she's got them for two weeks. And so this yesterday was the first day of that, which is why I'm broken today because this education, this COVID education is just, um, it, I, I don't know how parents have been doing this or are doing this who have multiple kids. Some people who just have one kid. I don't know how you do it when you got to work full time or you don't get a paycheck. I'm fortunate to where I'm getting to work from home most of the time so I can be here a lot. And still, it. I don't know. I don't know how people are doing it. And um, all in all, like I, I, I think about all of this and then I think and I compare it to what it could be and the the relationship that i have with my ex-wife we communicate we communicate well she helps me i help her our children are functioning really well it's not crazy and contentious and all of this kind of stuff but it ain't easy i don't understand how people do it when it's just I hate you, you hate me, and I'm going to do everything I can to undermine you at every step. Like, I don't know how people deal with that. Um, This is hard enough when it's two adults who are willing to adult, um, just do it separately. 
um, the wild, wild world of racism this year on top of the pandemic, like I've literally just been completely, I, I've just separated myself from it. Like I, I haven't done my podcast since all of this craziness with my contract started. Um, I've not, I've, I keep getting emails of people wanting to come on the show, be interviewed. I'm not doing the show right now. I, I, I my life is just barely getting back to normal, but at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of people who want and need what that show brought and I'm letting them down because there's a whole, um, you know, a whole pandemic happening right now and a whole epidemic of um, violent racism against us that's happening right now and people need something and I'm not saying they need me but apparently the thing that I created is useful and I'm not doing it. And I feel kind of bad because I know that I could be and I'm not. I, I literally right now, I would rather just sit down and play Warzone and plunder until I get a million dollars and win and then do it again and again and again and again, then get up and actually start doing work that would help other people out. And I feel bad about that. But I just, I ain't got it in me this year. Like, I just have just been trying to survive. And that's okay. You got to take care of you. There can't be any podcast without you. And you want to be in the right headspace. I think you need a therapist. Oh, yeah. So, um, I can't do that. Because... Um, with my whole, let it go, um, with my whole job and the whole clearance that I have to have, um, if you seek any type of mental support, we have to have to actually report that and that could affect your, um, clearances and all that, which would affect my job situation. So, um, the U S government basically just says you need to suck it up and figure it out because if you Uh-oh. actually try to get any type of help in order to just you know have better coping mechanisms when you deal with the stuff that all humans deal with yeah that tells us that maybe we can't trust you because you know you try to make responsible decisions and get help when you need it so um yeah, I can't just be like, you know what, I would love to just talk to a therapist every once in a while just to help me figure out better ways to cope with when I feel the things that all human beings feel. Um, that uh, apparently is is not the way that the government wants you to handle um, life. They would rather you just shut up, suck it up, and tell everybody that you're fine. Hence, me part of the military and the government basically since I was 17 shut up suck it up soldier on so yeah anyway that's probably not anywhere near half of all but there's a lot thank you deep breath Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. I really do. Me too.
You ain't talked that much since the show started. No, all together. <laughs> and that's fine because that's Gerald. We know that, but mm-hmm. but when you need to let it go, let it go. Like I say, tears are cleansing. Yeah, it's the best reset button out there. So I'm going to do this real quick, and uh, y'all can be. Uh, Let's just call this a palate cleanser. Video game group that I'm a part of. Um, We talk about the arcade system that we want to buy and everything. And if anybody wants to donate money to me, so if anybody wants to donate money to any of the three of us so we can pay bills, that would be splendid. Um, Because I want my video game system, but I'm not going to put it before my wife and my kids, not ever. Um... But video game group I'm a part of. Some of the people in the group have sent me friend requests and who am I to say no? Now I'm somebody who will say no all the time. Because I realize <laughs> I don't know these people like that. One of the guys uh, tagged me in a post uh, saying, let me know if I'm wrong for this. Um, oh, somebody called me racist for uh, singing this hit pop song word for word. The hip-hop song was Gold Digger. For those of y'all who don't remember, part of that course is, I'm not saying she's a gold digger, but she don't mess. She don't be messing with no broke niggas. So I asked him straight out, yo, did you say, the, did you sing the chorus? To be even clearer, did you say the word nigga? And he said, yes. If I'm not allowed to say it, then I don't understand why it's out there. Uh, I, I don't feel like we should just take every song out that hurts people's feelings. And I was like, I don't know why you tagged me in this post, bro. Like, I think you felt like I was going to protect you, and I'm really not. I'm not going to co-sign your bullshit. Um, if they said you're a racist and they heard you say the word nigga, then they're allowed to think that you're a white person saying nigga. And the fact that you're following up with this whole diatribe of how we should just take out all songs that offend other people, you sound real bad to me right now, too. Uh, unfortunately, he attacked two black people and five white people in the post, and the other black person was one of those folks who was I feel like black folks shouldn't even say it to one another. Um, so I had to leave the the entire post because a white woman hopped in and was like, I don't say it to other people, but I say it when I'm singing the songs. And I feel like if we, that we should be able to say it if we're listening to another culture's music and that doesn't, people don't get called racist for doing stuff like that. I was like, if people don't get called racist for that, then let me be the first. You sound like a real racist right now. And I'm going to leave before I really make a fool out of myself. And y'all try and find out where I work and get me fired. But yeah, a white guy invited me into his uh, post to try and co-sign him saying the word nigga and got flashed on and was shocked that he got flashed on. Um, just yeah see i don't know where that white guy was from but in mississippi we know better our white people know the deal (laughs) i think he's from indiana oh then that explains a lot yeah exactly you can't even enjoy video games huh no i'm so scared nowadays to like play online with my mic on oh you're gonna hear some shit reason. yeah for that very reason like last year i could do it all year this year eh, you know no not really i just play single player at home be done well i really like warzone 
because at most you got three other people that you can hear if you playing a, a quads thing. But I always just mute them because I don't need my teammates on there anyway. I just go do my thing. So you know what? The- <laughs> I, I never hear anybody you. talking. Huh? <laughs> I thought that about you. You're the guy just doing everybody else is trying to coordinate, think they're real soldier. Oh, yeah. I just doing- I, I hop in a helicopter and I just start doing contracts. I just uh, I, I do contracts until I can um I do scavenger contracts so I can try to find red cards and then I go hit the bunkers and then I just do contracts until we hit a million and uh I hold on to the red card. Cause you know, I don't know if y'all play plunder, plunder or whatever on Warzone in Call of Duty, but once you hit a million dollars, it goes into overtime. So money you get is time and a half. So I'll go hit up these bunkers uh, that you got to get an access card to, and it's got all this loot in it. But it's like loot and a half. So like basically, you go in there in uh, overtime, and you can get a million, half a million dollars easy in one of those. And then even if I'm like maybe sixth or seventh place, I'll go to first place. And then I win and I rank up my guns and that's, I do do it over and over again. So if there's like two or three other people on the team, they're just kind of there as filler. And I don't really care what they do. And half the time, um, like when they die, they spawn near you and they'll come and they'll try to like hop in the helicopter with me. And I'll just take off in the helicopter and leave them. Cause I'm not here for you. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm here to do a mission. And the mission is to win, and and y'all be wanting to go fight and shoot at people, and I, mm-mm. I half time I don't even shoot my weapon when I'm playing Warzone. I just get in the helicopter, I go do contracts, and I try to win, and I will do that for hours on end, not talking to anybody, not hearing anybody's racist stuff, not playing along with anybody's little, you know, uh, let's go over here and and lock this place down, and you know, mm-mm. nope, nope, y'all do all of that. I'm just gonna fly over here in my little helicopter and and get stuff. <laughs> I I haven't played a Call of Duty since the first Modern Warfare. But I used to do that type of stuff all the time. Now I'm playing golf. I'm an old dude. PGA uh, 2K21. Now, why is it that when you said I'm playing golf, my first thought was, oh, I got to drop down so we can go play. You we can do that. I live game. right next to a golf course. I'm getting better though. Oh, yeah, I'm not now, I'm playing two K. I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to go to the golf course. Golf course. Well, I'll tell you what. Next spring we're gonna do it. I'm gonna mark it now. Uh, April will be kind of warm, and I'll be in better shape, fit back in my golf pants. So, uh, yeah, we <laughs> we could do that. I play golf all the way to Christmas down here. That's the beauty of not being in Nebraska. Well, see, you used to that cold. You got that third skin. No, man. You know it'll be it'll be sixty something degrees down here around Christmas sometimes. Oh yeah, they got the golf courses open too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll go out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I might. I forget you two hours away. I might just ride over there. I'll let you know though. That's cool. I'll give you about a week, two weeks to get your game together, so I can embarrass myself. That works. What's up, Derek? <laughs> Oh, nothing. I'm just thinking jokes in my head that I would never actually say to people because they're only funny to me, um, such as joke number one. Uh, yeah, you might not be cold anymore, but you also lost your official title of the illest nigga in Nebraska. Um, 
See, that's a belly joke. I hate belly, but people have been talking about it in the Hindsight Mirror Review group. Oh, yeah, I started another podcast. That's the other thing that I did. You um, did do that. I think I'm just running to keep ahead of what I'm of. of I, I think I'm just I, I'm just running and I can't stop and I can't slow down. I'm starting to forget things. Um I dream about my death all the time. Just tired. Tired of just it. You ever realize that you have a level of usefulness to your friends? Like I know that I keep going back to that, but that's the thing that just keeps on hitting me in my chest is that I'm only so useful to people. And then when I'm not useful, they don't have a use for me. But I feel left behind. And I don't know how to not feel left behind when somebody leaves. Also, it really really just it will never not hurt when a friend and I have a falling out or something like that and another friend sees the whole occurrence happen and they still fuck with that person when they know what that person did and I know that it's just because they, they didn't do it to that friend they only did it to me but at the same time, it's like, y'all saw it. You were there for it. This isn't a secret. And then I feel selfish because it's like, didn't you, don't you feel, I don't know. I get emails and, and DMs and, and inbox messages from uh, friends who are like, so-and-so and such and such did this, that, and the third to me. And then they just sit back and wait for me to say, fuck that dude or fuck that person. I'm with you. I'm not doing that anymore. Making me choose friends isn't fair when you won't. I mean, if we were both in the same boat, like my wife and I, yeah, if she's mad at somebody, shit, I'm mad at them too, both for my own well-being and for my own sense of sanity. I get to see what you're doing to my wife, or I hear what you're doing to my wife, and there's no secret that you're 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 doing this, and, and I'm not going to gaslight her by saying I don't see what the big deal is, but I have friends who will literally hit you with the I don't see what the big deal is thing often but i see what the big deal is i always see it how you been doing right now this fine quarantine that is a good old southern accent hot dog that's a southern accent and a half <sighs> but yeah i don't even know how to express it I don't know how to express how I feel anymore because I'm scared of expressing how I feel to people who won't. But the thing that hits me the hardest isn't in 
not getting supported. It isn't any of that. What hits me the hardest, what just hurts me so badly is when friends just stop fucking with you and don't say why. And you know you didn't do anything wrong. And you're sitting there like, what did I do? I have family members who do that. Like, they'll just... Okay, so y'all play 2K. I don't know if the golf is like this, but the basketball is like this, where you get a certain amount of points after every game. You got to allocate it to the different um, skills or attributes. So sometimes it feels like my, not immediate family, but my cousins and aunts and uncles, not my uncle, my uncle's cool as shit. And my aunt or my, his, his wife is cool as shit, but on my mom's side of the family, sometimes it feels like they have a certain bit of love allocated for you. And when they get mad or they feel like you did or didn't do something for them or whatever it may be, they empty out that allocation to zero and max out everybody else's, the love they have for everybody else, just to make you feel like you're missing out on something. I don't know. I'm just tired. Tired of everything. Gerald, you said if you could sit down and just play Warzone, you would. I'm not saying I want to kill myself, but if I could just get things to stop. If I could just be on top again for just a second. just to see what the sun looks like instead of seeing what the bottom of a mountain looks like. If I could just see the sun shine for just one more second and I can, I can smell it and I know what I do is good, but nobody in my town, you know what I found out is hard for me to do. I've realized this after 15 pages and, 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 and Instagram pages and, and podcasts and all that, it is hard for me to ask for support. It's easy for me to support other people, but it is hard for me to ask for help. I had to ask my, my, my daughter a couple of days ago because she just started a page for her business and she has on, on Instagram and she has like over a thousand followers already and, and Consistently Good has a, like 108. I'm like, how you get a thousand so quick? And she was like, I tell you, but <laughs> like it was something deep, dark and dirty. And I'm like, man, it's my eldest daughter, not not the 18 year old. Um, but I'm like, I, I just I can't find support in my town. I can't find support. I, I got support all over the United States. This is crazy. I have people all over the United States who are looking forward to trying my food, but I can't get anybody in Sacramento who's just like this is a stand up dude. You should try his food. And that breaks my heart. I have people who I have done stuff for for free for years. Like if they needed me, I would set aside days to help them out and not ask for anything back. And they can't even, people are asking them, hey, do you know a good caterer? I have a party coming up. And they're like, nope. 
people who I told to start businesses, people who, when they started their business, I was the first one to leave a review on their page. I was the first person to leave a Google review and a Yelp review. I called friends and said, hey, meet me over here so we can do this. Now they have an audience and it's nothing. It's, it's, there's, it's complete radio silence. Because again, I stopped. When I see that the tap is drying up on your side, I'm going to dry it. I'm going to turn it off on my side, just see what happens next. Just see if there's a leak. I'm tired of being the leak. I'm tired of being the one who starts sprinkling the ground again when the tap goes dry. I'm tired of being the, the support of the, 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 the water or whatever it may be for a relationship. So I turned off the tap and what I found out is that nobody gives a fuck about me. And I don't want to hear it, Corbin. And I don't want to hear it, Gerald. Ah, we care. Oh, we got you. I know. And I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about when I say nobody gives a fuck about me. But no, exactly. I wasn't about to say that at all. I wasn't gonna say that. That 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 feeling is very very natural to have. Like it ain't like oh no 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 no. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly how that feels. And the the reality of it is that regardless of how anybody feels about you, if you're not receiving it in your language, that's how you feel. True. That's just there. There's there's nothing. It does. It it means absolutely nothing. If uh, and you know, obviously reciprocity is is your thing, right? So I'll just use that with one of the other love languages. It does. It does absolutely no good. For everybody to be coming and you know hugging you and dapping you up and giving you all this physical touch to show you that they love you when that don't mean nothing to you if they're not reciprocating the support that you give to them so you could be surrounded by people who love you to death but they don't take the time to do it in a way that you receive it and so you don't see it uh, I'm not saying that's what's happening. What I'm saying is that uh, you feeling like that is legit, regardless of whether from other people's standpoint, oh, yeah, we love you. This and that. If you're not getting it the way that you feel it and that it, it is real to you, then it's a legit feeling to have. And that's that's one of those things where I, I don't think we do enough uh, or spend enough time teaching ourselves are learning like how to actually love people because I, I've long believed uh, I've never really been cool with this whole thing about the golden rule <clears throat> um, treat treat others as you want to be treated because not mm -hmm. everybody wants to be treated like me like I don't want people checking on me we've had this conversation right because um, I don't want to have that conversation um, <laughs> so, so <Yeah. laughs> um, but recognizing that other people do i'm not uh if if i care i shouldn't be saying well this is how i want to be treated so that's how i'm gonna treat them i should be trying to figure out how do they want to be treated and then actually showing them in that way mm -hmm. that's a hard thing to do like that's 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 not even easy to do when it's somebody that you live with and that you're in a romantic relationship with that you're going to be with the rest of your life it's not always easy to try to turn your love that you're showing them from what's most comfortable to you to what's most comfortable to them. Yeah. So doing it for people that you 
are half a world away from or who you see, you know, every couple of weeks or anything like that. It's just, it's not a natural thing for us. And we do like, you end up feeling real lonely because you don't see the love because it's not coming in a form that you need it in. The, the thing about you though, that is really cool is that you are self-aware to know how you need it. And you are not afraid to tell people, this is how I need it. A lot of people don't even realize what they need or how they need it. And so I'm not afraid to tell people, but honestly, I dread it because I've seen what happens when I tell people that. And, and this is going to be a really bad analogy, but it almost feels like when you're in bed with somebody and you're having sex, you're making love or whatever it may be, but they're just not hitting it right. Or they're just not moving their hips in the right place to get you to where you need to be at or whatever it may be. So you finally tell them, yo, you're, you're not hitting the spots that I need to be hit. When you tell somebody that, you're scared of two things, or I'm scared of two things. One, how it's going to make them feel for me to tell them that they're not doing enough. And two, how they're going to look at me for me telling them that they're not doing enough. Like the response can clearly can easily be a fuck you. Like, yo, you're not doing nothing either or, or something like that. And so I'm a big black dude who dreads confrontation. Grew up in an abusive household. Confrontation led to fights. I actually talked with my eldest son, Kenny, about this uh, earlier this year. About how we, the traumas that we saw as children live with us now. He's 18 too. And he's seen abusive relationships uh, through his paternal grandparents. Uh, and through the family over there, just drama on drama. So he's like at the point, and and I understand this because I grew up in an abusive household. Raising your voice, a fight's about to happen. It's not even a question. If you raise your voice, you are literally about four sentences away from a fight, a literal fist fight. Somebody's about to get hurt. And so you have to learn how to be that peacekeeper. You have to learn how to be the inner, the intercessary. Like you have to learn how to stand in between two people and, the, and be the intermediary. But when you need to tell somebody how you feel or what you need or what you want, that same fear is in you. Or the fear of being cut off or ostracized. My kitty is off shedding. Or blackballed. And it's real. So I have people who I will never actually, I, I argue with people in the shower. Let's put it like that. 
I have long conversations with people in the shower. And I always win those conversations. I have yet to lose a debate in the shower. I, I have the perfect retorts. I have the perfect thing, the perfect fact to just shut them down when I'm in the shower. Because when I'm dry, it ain't like that no more. As much as I'm not trying to lose myself, I value people more than I value myself. And so, unfortunately, there is a lot of stock in how many friends I have. And Corbin, you've known me for a really long time. Like back when you were doing the, the Burberry Jones podcast and back yeah. when uh, Angie was doing, uh, I don't even remember. I forgot what it was called. I forgot what her podcast was called too, but um, back when that yeah. was going on. 2011. And so you were there when I spoke up about how I felt like I was being treated by podcasters who now were literally famous and they got their friends. They told their friends on Twitter about my show and somebody threatened to come to my house and shoot my wife myself and my kids in the face Damn, for this podcasting couple. And then they went ahead and did a good three months, four months of making fun of me and mine, making fun of us, trying to draw me out into a uh, argument or a discussion. And I wouldn't do it. So then they told everybody I was a coward and I was a fake Christian and nobody stood up. I have friends who listen to that show religiously and nobody stood up and said, that's not how it is. And so I stopped and I had to rebuild and I had my first breakdown. And I never forgot what put me there. But instead of me going the right way and saying, I should hate these two for what they did, for putting me in a place, I was young. I was 31 years old. I was still young. For putting me in a place that was so low. Instead of hating them, and hating their friends who got on the shows and laughed at me. Instead, I went the other route and tried to befriend all of them. I still had them on my shows. I took the high road. That whole saying about when they go low, we go high, that shit sucks. Because they would still say stuff about me and I would take the high road and I'd invite them on my show and they would never invite me on theirs and they would talk about me and they would laugh about my tweets and my Facebook posts and they'd make fun of me and they make fun of my pictures and I would still try. Like if y'all just knew the real me, if you just knew what I was really like, you would like me. And then one day, one of them, I guess 
had their own issue or somebody treated them poorly. And so they were on Twitter calling out to the world about how hurt they were, about how this person they thought was a friend treated them. And I was right there to catch them as they fell and I contacted them and we spoke. And I called them once every couple of weeks just to check in on their mental health. This is while I'm going through depression so bad that I'm cutting myself and I'm literally looking for suicide. I'm looking for the way out, but I'm calling other people because my health is in that. My hope, my mental health is in making sure that they like me. If they like me, then I have a reason to keep going. I'm not even looking at my family. I'm not looking at the friends that I actually have with me at this time. I'm skipping shows, I'm losing weight, I'm not sleeping, and I'm chasing after this couple and their friends who treated me horribly. Talking to them once a month about their mental health. Walking them out of holes while I'm falling into the same ones because I can't tell them how they hurt me. And then they had a convention and I went to it and I was ready to just let it all go and 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 leave it all behind and tell them how they made me feel. And I talked with them and I told them and no apology came, but I was supposed to feel clear because I told them and I came home and I felt, I felt clear for like three months. I felt like I had done something and their friends were following me and liking my posts and were popping up out the woodworks. The same people who were like, fuck Rashani, like literally, two months, two years before were now hitting me up and apologizing and asking me about my family and all that kind of stuff. And I just felt like maybe I had finally gotten there, but that couple had never actually apologized. And so I kept walking and I kept talking to them on the phone about their mental health and kept checking in on them. We kept having conversations and never asked them to be on my show. They never asked to if I would be on their show, but we're talking and this is what friends do. They talk, right? I'm calling them and they're talking to me and I'm calling other friends and we're talking because it's worked with them. So this will work with everybody else. And I'm calling and I'm talking to these people and I have friends now, right? I'm finally where I'm supposed to be. I have friends. And then one day I got sick. Of calling people. And so I stopped. I made myself stop. It was hard. I still have their numbers on my goddamn phone right now. It is hard. I called that guy this morning. Because my sense of self is embedded so deeply in other people that I have to know I tried. Even if I know that the road leads to a dead end with a wall, I tried. And when I stopped calling, so did they. It got to the point that I was able to actually just unfriend everybody. I just let them all go. but I still feel like I lost because they're not worried about it. They're not thinking about it. It's not on their mind. And I'm still like, I gave up so much of myself 
to try and make friends with people who didn't like me. I spent so much of, I, I spent so many tools. I used so many tools trying to break down a wall that didn't need to be broken. Behind that wall was another wall. There was a video game I played last year where there was this really difficult part and I kept trying to get through this part and I died like 39 times. Nisha was sitting right there with me and we're counting how many times I'm dying. And this was another story initially because we were talking about how I started cussing myself out and saying I was stupid. And I started saying it out loud where Nisha could hear me and she stopped me and she was like, you know, you're not right. And I was like, and she was like, you know, you're not right. And I said, yes. And so she sat there and she rubbed my back and called me and we kept going and I kept playing and I kept trying to get through this difficult section. And we got the 50 and we got the 60 and I finally got through this difficult section on my 78th try to find that the end of the path that I was trying to get to literally led me five feet away. I could have walked straight and made it through this difficult part. I didn't have to go through it at all. But my mind told me I had to conquer this obstacle that was in front of me that wasn't even an obstacle. It was just a more difficult path that I didn't have to take. And I killed myself 77 fucking times trying to get through this obstacle. And that's what I'm doing with y'all motherfuckers out there in the world. And I'm sick of that shit. But I can't stop. And y'all keep taking it because you love the sunshine. And I'm just like, can I have some back? How dare you ask for some back? How dare you ask for the sun back? But the only thing in the world, the only thing in this galaxy that doesn't get to feel the rays of the sun is the goddamn sun. I struggle with that every day. Like I said, I tried to call the guy and if he had answered, I probably would have invited him on hindsight and acted like everything was fine and we would have laughed and everything and I still wouldn't have had an apology and he still wouldn't have apologized and it still would have been the same circle but I would have felt like recharged. But when I called him it rang twice and went to voicemail and everybody knows exactly what that means. If my phone rings twice and then it goes to voicemail, that means that somebody hit that red button that ignores the call. He never called back. There was no return call. I haven't heard from my homeboys from the dream team. I haven't heard from anybody unless I call. So if I stop reaching out into the world, if I stop grabbing, I'm like an octopus right now with a million legs. And if I draw them all back in, nobody's going to say, you know what? I noticed that leg is gone, but God damn it. One of the things that used to hit me all the time was quite simply the lyric. I want you to notice when I'm not around. And sometimes my mind is like the only way they're going to notice if you're not around is if you're not around permanently. And so I'm looking like I don't want to do that. But I want the accolades. I want somebody to tell my wife, your husband was a good man. Tell my kids. 
but tomorrow I'm going to go to work and I'm going to look at my phone. And it's not going to ring unless it's the telemarketer or my wife, which I appreciate. And I'm going to start thinking about all the numbers I have on my phone of all of these podcasters that I've known for 12, 13 years. And I have a lot who knew from day one that we did not have a relationship past that interview, past that segment, past that episode. But I just kept chasing it like a dog. Watch me make this motherfucker run. Hey, Derek. Yeah, man, I'm just calling to see how you're doing. Just like that, I'm fired up again, calling somebody once a week. Watch me make this motherfucker jump. Hey, Derek, how would you like to be on our show, man? We were talking about you a couple days ago. Oh, word, you were talking about me? Watch me make this motherfucker kill somebody for me. Hey, Derek, I really like your food. And I'd like to place an order. I was just talking to Stephanie about uh, 30 minutes before we started our show. And um, we were talking about, uh, we were talking with a new podcaster and giving them tips and tricks or, you know, help and suggestions uh, as a new podcaster. And um, one of the things that I said was, People are always chasing listeners. You know, I'm the head of the Black Podcaster United page. And one thing that I see consistently is people coming in there and asking, how do I get more listeners? How do I get more followers? How do I get more support? I currently have 15 listeners. How do I get 100? I have 100 listeners. How do I get 500? I have 500 listeners. How do I get 10,000? And what we talked about today was what we talked about just now, which is if you have 15 listeners, that's like having 15 family members. You keep those listeners close to you. You keep those listeners really close to you because they're the ones who are actually there without anybody pushing them there. They just want to be there. But instead, what we do is we say, okay, we got these 15 people who are listening to us. I'm going to ignore them while I go search for more people to like me. I need to stop worrying about whether y'all folks on social media like me. My family likes me. My wife loves me. My, my, my kids tolerate me. But I think they love me. I got to program my mind to stop wondering what y'all feel. Because honestly, y'all aren't doing it. And it's a waste of my time. I don't have anything. I don't have money. I don't have dignity. I don't have pride. And usually I, I say that those things are great things to make a good coach because 
I'm able, if I need help with something, to ask somebody for help. If you're able to teach the kids how to do something, please step in and, and help out. I, I don't have any, my ego's not there. But there are people who are like me, who unfortunately, by something that happened to them in their childhood, are empty vessels. We feel emotionally, we speak, we are able to empathize, we are able to help out, but we will fill up with whatever other people fill us up with. I'm a lost cause at this point in time. I think I'm able to admit that to myself. I am addicted to the love of others. It's my drug. My love language is reciprocity. I think that one of the things that we each need to do is figure out what our love language is and communicate that to others. And then figure out how to be an omni uh, supporter, like know how to help everybody no matter what their love language is. I think if we're able to do that and we're able to actually help each other where we are or where they are, instead of waiting for them to come to where we are, I think we're able to be support to each other without uh, holding back. I think that's how we get unburdened. I don't believe in much anymore. I believe in my wife though. She's gonna be a hell of a nurse. And I would let my entire life go to ruin just to see her walk that stage and get her degrees as a nurse. As long as her and my kids are good literally nothing else matters and that includes myself i did think a couple of weeks back like if i killed myself would i get insurance would they get life insurance if i if something happened to me nah that's why i'm still <laughs> another reason why i'm still just holding on. Uh, i need you to know that that is not not normal I've I've been through those stages where I have that exact yes double negative it's not not normal. Huh? Oh, it's normal. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so why did yeah. you use a double negative? I was very confused. <laughs> why not just say it's not normal, then say it's it not. It is normal. Not because not it's, normal because it's it not normal. not normal because yeah. because it's not like oh yeah that's normal everybody does that but it's also not like oh nobody does that but you it's like it. It's a it's a thing that a lot people of people do. go through, right? It's not not normal. It's not like oh yeah, everybody do that every week. But a lot of people do. I know I have. It's it's been plenty of times where you just get in that space where it's just like all right, I don't know if me being here is the best for them. 
if I wasn't, they would be way better off financially. Yeah. And you just get in that spot where you feel like, all right, what's the best way for me to take care of my family? I mean, got this insurance and I'm never going to get there with, you know, just going and working. I mean, you, those thoughts, you go through them. Right. Um, But you just, you, you, you got to push through those moments and um, realize that I, I, I have learned <clears throat> through having these conversations with people that uh, for some strange reason, we uh, as men specifically, I think, uh, always think about our value to our families as primarily financial. Yep. But if you ask them, they would be happy in a cardboard box with you here rather than living in a mansion with you gone. Yeah. Yep. And even if they tell you that, you're going to be thinking, but I ain't going to have you in a cardboard box though, right? But that's just <laughs> because you're, you know, you're a responsible human being who loves your wife and you love your kids and you will do anything for them. Um, but part of that is going through where you are right now, going through... <laughs> where I, where I was at for basically this last year, like just going through that time period where it's like, I, I Mm. thought I had it all together, but apparently I don't know nothing and I'm probably not going to be able to make it. And it would be better off if I'm not here or if it's this and it's like, yeah, we had those thoughts because we place our value. I think Corbin said it earlier tonight, like, yeah. For some reason, our value in our heads is, is financial. We can bring financial to the table. And if we feel like we aren't in position to do that, then we think, well, they don't need me or they'd be better off without me. Or, or why do they want me around? Why, why right. And it's not that, like everybody else around you who loves you, those people who you just said that you know love you, they ain't thinking about you like that. The only thing that matters is seeing you, being with you. Partially because you're the type of dude who's never going to let them fail, who's going to give up everything that you have to make sure that you see your wife, see her dreams. That in you is part of what makes you the person that they would rather have over anything else in the world. Because... It's a whole bunch of dudes out there, as I have been learning over this last year, who couldn't care less about their family. All they care about is how their family makes them look to the rest of the world. You still in them groups? Hmm. Are you still? Are you in groups with guys who are like Hotep, Motep, Holiday Inn type stuff? No, I'm talking real world. Okay, cool, cool. I know scars in those groups. He he. No, no, I, I'm not. I haven't been on social media at all in the last year about like. Um, but that's the thing about moving home though, is, you know, when I live in California, I didn't know nobody. When I lived in Nebraska, I didn't know nobody here. I know everybody, I know everybody in Little Rock. So before COVID and then even after everything starts opening back up, I see people now. And when I'm out and I see people, it's people that I grew up with that I know. And I know the people they know, and I know their families because Little Rock is not that big. So 
all the people that I grew up with in high school, they have kids with other people who I grew up with and we all have the same friends. So I'm seeing and running into people and then through the transition making property you of, <laughs> well, making you, you know, you know how it is when you're at home, it's like, all right, well, I see this person. And then next week you see somebody else. Oh, I just saw such and such last week. And what's the first thing that happened? Oh, let me spill the dirt. And then you yeah. find out all of this stuff that's been going on the last 15 years with them. Oh, we need you to get do together. that five, 10, 15 different times. And it's like, oh, wow. Like some of y'all really, you, you out here looking, you want people to see you in a certain way, but you don't actually care about your family you wouldn't actually do anything for them, but you want everybody to see you in a certain light. And you, Derek, are, I'm going to put everything on the table for my family. I will give everything up for my family. I will make sure no matter what, like you said earlier, I, I'm never going to let them tell, be the person that tells my wife, oh, you know what, that dream you have, that just doesn't fit with where we are right now. You, you, you use that analogy or uh, metaphor of being the sun, right? Yeah, you are the person who will literally burn yourself out, providing energy for everybody else around you so that they can live. Okay. Yep. And that means the people who are closest to you depend on you because they know you are the sun. And they also, they value you because you are the center of their universe, not because you spitting money out at them. And those of us who aren't, you know, at Mercury or Venus level, you know, we just like Earth or Mars level right over here nearby. Um, Hanging out in Neptune. <laughs> Neptune area. You know, so, so I, if anything, between the two of us, I would be I would be Neptune. Yeah, and you would be Earth. Neptune. <laughs> but, I'm probably around Mars. I'm a little... But, no. but the, point, the point being, though, that, you know, we definitely could could be more active reaching out um but you for the people who love you you definitely aren't just like oh if he don't call i'm not gonna call because i know me and you it's like if he don't call i might not call for like three months but then i'm gonna think ooh, Derek, and i'm gonna call him <laughs> because i care <laughs> you know because because I, I care but i'm not the dude who just picks up the phone yeah. but i know as soon as i know i'm going to california the first thing i'm doing like not first thing i'm doing when i get there as soon as i find out oh i'm gonna be in california next month Hit up Derek. I'm gonna be in the town. What we doing? Because that's my boy. Um, and hell, I've been back at home now for almost a year, and it's like two and a half hours away is is ten years away. Because I still hadn't met you, Corbin. So um, you know what? Have to do that. <laughs> I've been through. Yeah, I've been through Little Rock probably five, six times. I'm gonna just run through there next time. I'm calling you. I'm gonna be like, hey, yeah. Look. So. Uh, you know, we I don't we even care it. if you in your pajamas because I roll through Little Rock at seven in the morning. I leave here at five, going wherever I got to go is early. Sir, I'm working from home, so if you came at two in the afternoon, I'd be in my pajamas. It is what it is. Well, that's fine. I'm not doing that. I'll be there yeah. at seven a.m. But expecting breakfast. You know my 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 point. Turkey being, bacon. <laughs> I have that. I have both of them. But my my point being like. I heard that. I, I love the I didn't hear what Derek said. Um, 
I love that 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 sun metaphor because I mean it is you you literally you give you give to everybody else and you're not receiving back what you need but the the people who recognize what you give and care about you and want to give it back in whatever their own way like we ain't going nowhere um and it's genuine even if it's not in the right language you know what i'm saying like you can you can see that the people who's supposed to be there stick around whether you talk to them every month or whether you talk to them a year or two years apart that when when you when you talk it's it's like no time has passed right and for me, those are the people that I focus on is, like I said, like my best friend had gallbladder surgery. I didn't even know until Facebook told me. And then I called him yesterday and talked to him. Um, before that, I don't think we had talked in several months. And before that, I think the last time I talked to him was when I was in D.C. Because as soon as I hit, know I'm going to D.C., I call him up. I'm going to be in town. What are we doing? But whether it's been six months or whether it's been two years since I talked to Corey, because sometimes we go years when we pick up the phone, it's like it was yesterday or when we happen to be in the same town, it was like it was yesterday because that's somebody that's supposed to be in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think my, the way that I process all of that is I don't, I don't, I don't need reciprocity frequently, but I need, However frequent we are around each other, I need that relationship to be reciprocal. I think it's how I process things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everybody popped a nigga. I just had to do that too. I'll tell you what's not reciprocal. This dude don't give me nothing but trouble. It's a big old dog. Um, yes. But yeah, fellas. See, and we started slow. Yeah. <laughs> it's been long. a while. It's been over a year, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been, been a close. Yeah. Whew. Um, so yeah, there's just plenty more stuff we can talk about on I guess on another day because this is a long episode. But yep. Um just to update y'all, I don't know if I told y'all this, but um so my back in October, my uh my mom's mother passed. She was almost a hundred and I was here for that. I was mm -hmm. home. Um and then on September fourth, um my grandfather uh on my dad's side <clears throat> he passed my papa and I was here for that. And I've been able to be here for my granny and my aunt. Um, and that was one of my biggest fears that that whole time I was gone when I was in California, Nebraska, like I knew my family was getting up there. The people who raised me was getting up there. And one of my biggest fears was that I was not going to be here. Um, and I was here, I was in the room with my grandmother when she passed, with my mom and actually my, my grandma, my dad's mom was there as well. 
uh, when my mom's mother passed away, but I was in a room with her. Um, when my grandfather was in the hospital, um, I stayed with my aunts and my grandma overnight with him. In COVID, um, they had some real special provisions we had to go through. And they was like, if you leave, you ain't coming back. Um, so we were literally quarantined in his room. We couldn't walk out the door, but we spent um, overnight in there with him and stayed with him uh, until finally they uh, they moved him to hospice. And then he, he died the first night he was in hospice, but only one person was allowed there and that was my grandma. But, but I've been able to be here for these things that um, that I knew were going to be starting to come with my family. Um, and that's been a blessing. Uh, more than anything else that's been going on, it's just knowing that I am physically able to be here and to go and do for my family has been huge. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, we've talked a lot tonight about all the stuff that's going on with us and what we're working through. But that was one thing I want to share with y'all is um, I, I'm really glad I made the decision last year to move home because I needed to be here this year. And I've been here and able to, to do what I do best, which is kind of just focus on the logic, getting the work done, being the support for people and putting my feelings kind of later. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Well, y'all, I've missed you and I'm glad y'all are here. We'll do this again, hopefully next week. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if it's not here next week, please don't panic. We uh, still got to get these uh, grown-up lives together. But hopefully, y'all, uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, you're I apologize muted. for Monday. Oh, it's okay. Like I said, uh, Carson benefited way more from you being there watching them get mollywhopped than them getting mollywhopped and then her having to recount it to you when she got home. Tell and, me they got mollywhopped. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> At least you all there to commiserate together about how she got Molly Watt. Like, damn, that one hit. Rest she got it over the net this. every time. The rest of the time, the, yeah, her team's trash, man. Yeah. It'll hey. be trash in an eighth grade. It will. That's the same thing happened with Bella's uh, team, and then Bella moved over to uh, softball because she got tired of it. <laughs> well, now I get to watch her cheer which I'm only doing that to a certain temperature. Yeah, enjoy it. It's not that bad. Actually, a lot of times... Bro, it's actually, COVID outside. <laughs> very true. I'm, I'm, yeah, y'all, I keep forgetting y'all are like... Yeah, we are free. About, yeah. You guys have been in the house forever. Down here, we've been going blowing and going since May, bro. Yeah, no. Have fun with that shit. Don't I'm do it. trying not to. Yeah, nope. I wouldn't tell you if I caught the COVID. Uh, I wouldn't invite you over if you did. No, I wouldn't tell you. I'd be like old Trump. I'd be dressed up, sweating. Unlike coughing. him, I wouldn't be hoping you died. Well, y'all, thank you so much for checking us out. Um, y'all, stay safe. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you later. Peace.
you can follow the show at Unburdened Pod on Twitter. Voicemail is 916-572-9016. Email is blackinunburdened at gmail.com.